it's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. That's right. All it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so much more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a single three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a single three-pointer shot. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. I'm joined as always by Nick Horwat. We're in a good mood because it's always a good time when the Pittsburgh Penguins defeat the Washington Capitals, and that is what we're going to talk about on today's episode. The Penguins defeat the Caps by a score of 3-2 to two in overtime. Thank you very much, Mr. Kapanen. But before we get into that, Horwat, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. And do you hear that? Do you hear that? That faint nothingness? That's a quiet hockey troll Twitter account right now. Um, <laughs> or at least at the moment of recording this, it's pretty quiet, and I'm not going to look to prove that it's quiet. I'm just going to assume it is. Um, yeah, it's always fun beating them. It's always fun beating him. They're good buddies, though, and thank God they're good sports about it for the most part. To us, at least, we know they are. Um Troll might not be good sport about it to other people, but hey, that's not our problem. And you know what? That's what, four wins against them now? We are now 4-1 and one against the Washington Capitals in 2021. Man, that feels good. That team's not that great. Can we be honest? The, the Capitals are not that great. Next time we discuss league stuff, I'm sure we'll dive a little deeper into that, but Justin Schultz seems to be their top defenseman right now. And, I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying either he's having a resurgence or that is a poor defensive core. Or both, really. It could be a little bit of both. I don't think Zdeno Chara is doing them any favors. But we're not here to jump too much into the Washington Capitals defense core. Let's talk a little bit about the game itself. I mean, the Penguins, we, we talked about it on Monday's episode. The Penguins need to start better in the first period, especially in the defensive zone. They need to control the puck a little bit more. I think it was the last four games they had given up at least 13 shots on net in the first period. And then here we go on Tuesday, only six shots on goal. They control the entire first period and they completely obliterate the Washington Capitals when it comes to pace of play. And yeah, the Penguins did give up two power plays in the first period, but they also didn't allow a shot on goal. So all, all things coming up, Millhouse for yeah. the Pens in the first. Yeah, it, I mean, it was a first that I didn't see a ton of because um, I was out delivering, but I saw that Malkin goal, and it looked good. I I saw that Malkin goal, and then he put that move on. Uh, I forget which defenseman it was now. But um, intercepting the pass and making a move on a defenseman to go for a, to get a shot at another goal, um, I thought he was going to be on one for the rest of the game. I mean, he wasn't totally on one, but he looked good. He's looking better. And for the rest of the team in the first period, yeah, another period where uh, – how many shots did they let up? Six. That's the way to do it. It's another first period of not letting up any goals and looking good doing it. It's about time that we gave Tristan Jari some reprieve in the first period. Who Tristan Jari making his fifth straight start, first time he did that this year, and, and well – that is now three straight wins. And in those five starts, he is four and one. So Tristan Jari, I mean, we, we can keep rambling on about that train. Tristan Jari seems to be back. He gave up two goals in the game, one of them to Richard Ponick, which I would 
put a little bit more blame on Evgeny Malkin and Mike Matheson. Malkin, in his first right for just going in a circle for some reason and no reason at all. And then Mike Matheson had taken a poor angle and being muscled off the puck by Richard Ponk and itself. So he, Jari didn't get too much help in that instance, but it, it seemed like he had another good game today. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I mean, things like that are going to happen, but as long as you are looking good outside of, you know, one or two bad plays, I mean, that good old crystal tang effect yeah your bad plays might get amplified but um we are well aware that you played better outside of it and he did yeah the thing with mike matheson so far this season has been he can play with the puck extremely well it's the matter of how good is he without it and he hasn't been too poor as of late but then you have plays like you saw on on tonight's game where he gave up that first goal you have a play like you saw on Saturday night's game Sid's 1000th where he gets beat and kind of just or excuse me P.O. Joseph gets beat and Matheson just kind of stays back doesn't really help his D partner out so there's still some things like that that are of issue but as of right now Mike Matheson is looking a lot better than we expected definitely after his first couple games in a Penguins uniform in Philadelphia but also better than we expected when we traded for him, which we did have a little bit higher expectations than we did after two games, but he still seems like he's performing half decently, not necessarily. And I don't think he's ever going to perform to that contract number, but he's performing. And that's the thing for the Penguins. They don't need him to be a number one guy. They just need him to perform at a level that is not detrimental to the team. And while he has had his moments, everybody on this decor has. So I'm not going to hold him against him more than anybody else because of his cap number. At least I won't, I should say. You won't yet, because the count number is something that, I mean, it's brutal, and you don't want to see it. But again, I think uh, when we did our uh, hockey resolution, or yeah, like our Penguins New Year's resolutions, um, I think I said mine for Matheson was just to be worth it, even in the slightest. Mm -hmm. And so far, in the slightest, yeah, you could say he has been. And. A lot of that might also have to do with the injury that he he suffered at the beginning of the season. Who knows if he was playing with that when he was in Philly or if it was something that was literally happened and then he was gone. You can never know and you're never going to know. Right. As far as the Penguins are concerned, though, they have a defenseman that is solid, and it seems like he's keeping guys like Chad Ruedel and Yuso Rikola out of the lineup. We'll see what happens whenever Brian Dumoulin comes back. But it seems like Mike Matheson has found himself a spot and the Penn's decor, right alongside John Marino, who, listen, we got on John Marino pretty hard at the beginning of the season for his performance, but as of late, I haven't noticed him too much, which, for John Marino, is exactly what you want. You don't want him to be noticed, and he did have an assist in today's game, but other than that, he's been kind of quiet, and really his assist in the game against the Capitals wasn't even that loud either. He just shot it on net, and Jake Gensel was able to put a perfect deflection past Vitek Vanacek. Right. I mean, it's one of the weird things about a defenseman. You don't want to hear about them. You don't want to see what they're doing too much. You don't um, want to see the glaring mistakes that Marino had a couple of early on. Obviously, he's doing better. I mean, we're not expecting him to be a standout you know, puck mover or, or offensive defenseman. Uh, we just want a guy who can play stout on the blue line, and play his game, which is what he's been getting back to a little bit. I mean, maybe it was just a little rough sledding at the beginning because there was no super long training camp, no preseason. I mean, we're past a quarter of the way into the season, and it's good. It's a at least a better time than never to start hitting your stride, start getting back to it. And he's definitely hitting it. He's looking better. He's looking better. <laughs> That's all I got on it. <laughs> He is. He's looking a lot better, and his numbers are showing that as well. While he does only have three assists, he's not a points guy, as we mentioned. And the big thing that we were looking at early in the season, even though both of us have on various occasions stated how blasphemous it is to even think about using plus-minus as a stat to actually categorize anybody's play, John Marino leads the Penguins' defense core in plus-minus with a plus-four. Heat and Matheson are both tied with a plus-four. So, I mean, that pairing... If you take stock in that stat, which we don't do very often unless it's something like that, okay, they lead the Penguins in plus-minus. They're both at plus-four, and they're both leading the team in 
Cody Cece is in third with with a plus two, but it, it's all good signs, especially for a guy like Mike Matheson who came in with a lot of pressure on his shoulders just because of the paycheck that he makes. And John Marino, a, a lot more pressure this year as well because of the paycheck he's going to make, that contract extension that he signed right before the season. A lot of people before that hadn't even heard of him outside of Pittsburgh, and now they hear that, and, and when they asked us, hey, who's this John Marino? Why did he get an extension? We tell them, listen, he was the Penn's best defenseman last year. That is going to be a bigger target on his back, and, and the fact that he got that contract, you have to imagine throughout the league people took notice of that, and I'm sure, obviously, the players and the coaches already knew about that because of the tape that he had last year, but fans around the league, writers around the league, they take notice of that, and there's a bigger target on his back. You're not going to get away with as many mistakes, and luckily, John Marino has started to rise to the occasion here in the latter half of the beginning of the season, and the last couple of weeks, he's been stout, and I think that goes to exactly what you mentioned. He's He's been better. He's been better, as you said, literally. Yeah. Perfect, perfect quote with that. Yeah, he's been better. Um, and that's exactly what you want because of the contract that he did sign and the money he's going to be making. Um, and just that you you have higher expectations for him. That's what it is. It's the same thing we've been discussing with Malkin all year. We just we understand that it's a weird season. We understand that it's different and that maybe all your offseason plans got changed or you know your training regiment was different or whatever it may be, this, that, the other. The excuses are going to be there, but we still expect more from you. And that's kind of how it went with Malkin. That's how it went with Marino. And now they're both kind of living up to the to their expectations as to where they should be. They're both in the midst of turning their corner, it seems. Mm -hmm. I do want to jump back a little bit to the beginning of the game. One, actually two things from the beginning of the game. One, I don't know what the refs were doing at the beginning of the game. I, I know you said you hadn't watched it, but the first two penalties were both called goaltender interference, and both of them were – ticky-tack would be an understatement, and this is something that me and the hockey troll, as you mentioned him a little bit earlier, definitely agree on. Those were bad penalties, and, and luckily for the Penguins, they were able to kill it whenever Mike Matheson was pushed into Vitek Vanacek. They were able to kill that penalty with relative ease, which is something else that I want to talk about in a couple minutes. But then Alex Ovechkin bumps Tristan Jari incidentally when there's no real threat of an offensive attack from the Washington Capitals. And Ovechkin has to go sit in the box, and it leads to the Evgeny Malkin goal that we already talked about, and the Penguins getting on the board first. And that is a huge, huge play in the first period of the game. And then... There was another penalty. Let, let me look it up real quick. Oh, the Jake Gensel slashing. When he slashed Dmitry Orlov in the first period, Orlov got his gloves up a little high on, on Gensel there in, in a scrap in front of the net for positioning, and that's going to happen. And you know what else is going to happen? Gensel's going to turn around and give him a little slash on the, on the shin and say, listen, I, I felt you. I, I, I felt you do that. I'm not going to sit there and let it happen because otherwise he's going to get punched in the face every time he goes there. And then Gensel gets two minutes again for slashing. And, of course, it's always the second guy. Yeah. It's always it's always the guy that does it after the whistle that's going to get the penalty. But, again, ticky-tack penalties, They refs kind of seemed like they were going to call it zero tolerance at the beginning of the game. And all I have to say about that is, one, nobody tunes in to see you guys. Literally, nobody tunes in to see anybody in stripes. And, two, zero tolerance is not fun. I don't want to watch a, a power play for 20 minutes in an entire period. I want to watch some five-on-five -five action, especially when the Penguins are dominating the Capitals the way they are in five-on-five. -five. So whether it was the penalty against Gensel or the penalty against Matheson, which I thought were awful calls, I also thought the call against Ovechkin was bullcrap. Ovechkin should not have been in the penalty box. And, you know, if that happens, who knows what the where the game goes, and that's just how it's played. But the, the refs especially on the goalie interference, they need to calm it down with that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, you're not all Wes McCauley. We're not, we're not all tuning in to see you specifically. Uh, and, yeah, no one wants to see ref puck. No yeah. one wants to see ref puck or ref ball. It's just – yeah, but, I mean, it was funny considering I heard the names of the referees four times. How often are you supposed to hear the names of the referees? At the beginning of the game. And that's it. And maybe whenever you Once. hear, and here's da-da-da with the call. That's it. You shouldn't be here. Because I heard them during the pregame. That's fine. You're going to hear it during the pregame. 
multiple times after that. And whenever I say I heard it multiple times, I mean I heard Paul Steigerwald talking about it during his pregame show on the radio. Um, I don't remember why, um, but Phil Bork, uh, maybe because it was because of the bad calls at the beginning, Phil Bork on the radio mm-hmm. saying their names. And then uh, Steve Mears, he's the other one. Steve Mears <laughs> said their names a couple times. So, yeah, you shouldn't. As a fan, you shouldn't be hearing referees' names more often than, hell, half half of each team. Because, I mean, I don't think I heard Carl Haglund's name once. Maybe once. But that's just the way the game goes. Like You shouldn't be hearing the referees' names that often. We're not here for ref puck. We're here to watch hockey and the hockey players and not um, discussing the calls you're making. Again, if you're going to say, no, here's... Why can't I think of their names now? Here's the referee with the decision. That's acceptable because that's the way the game is. That's the announcement that has to be made. But what, the the context of it was always these calls that are being made by these referees. Plus, they were two names I had never heard of. It wasn't Wes McCauley out there. It wasn't the one that's not a Penguin fan. Which it was some two. It was two new names. It seems so. I don't know. I'm not here to discuss. And plus, we're not here to discuss referees. Yeah, I just wanted to throw out the fact that they were getting a little too much and a little too obvious yeah. there at the first period. We're not here to have a podcast and talk about referees, man. We're here to talk about hockey, which, again, aside from the um, few bad calls, I mean, thank God it wasn't the entire game, uh, there was a damn good hockey game being played, too. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It, it was almost non-eventful as far as Penn's caps goes, to be completely honest. It, it really was. There were a little bit of pushing and shoving. And then, of course, you mentioned Carl Hagelin, which is hilarious. There was a moment there. And anybody that's listened to this podcast knows that I, I'm still a big Carl Hagelin fan. I loved him when he was on the Penguins. I have a Carl Hagelin Penguins jersey. It's a funny moment whenever Gensel took that slashing penalty and, and Orlov took exception to getting slashed after the play and there was a big scuffle. And you just see Haglin come in and grab Gensel and just kind of like gently push him out of the middle of the pile. And it's like, that has to be such a weird thing for Haglin because it was well-documented how well-liked Carl Haglin was on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it is well-documented how well he's liked on the Washington Capitals. He's just a likable guy. He's a good teammate. So for him, who probably has fond feelings of being with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I would imagine so for a team you won two Stanley Cups with. And then also to be in the middle of this heated rivalry and just to be like, please don't kill each other. I know you don't like each other, but I'm friends with both of you. Yeah, I understand where that's coming from. But I mean, at the same time, these are professional hockey players that you fight for the sweater on you. You fight for the logo on your sweater. And that's what it is. I mean, Carl Hagelin also, I can't remember the rest of his career but I, I mean i know he's not he hasn't only played for the penguins granted that's where he had the majority of his success but i mean he played for anaheim he got the rangers in there and people forget the five games in la basically it's mm-hmm. he's had a career on an on on other nhl teams so you get a different feeling whenever uh, you bounce around a little bit maybe he is okay with being a little gritty against the Penguins because it's not like he's a lifer. You know, it's not like, I don't know, it's not like if we were playing against Hornquist right now and he'd be into digging in on everyone because that'd be different. But for Haglin, I mean, yeah, it's just it's the game of hockey. Maybe he wants to pull people out and not fight his ex-teammates, but I don't know. It's hockey. They're all weird. They're all psychotic sometimes. Oh, yeah, big time. And I'm not for I'm not for one second doubting that Carl Haglin is loyal to the Washington mm-hmm. Capitals. I mean, that's the team that, one, signs his paychecks. Two, he, he's a consummate professional, and that's why he's such a good teammate and why he's so beloved in any locker room he goes to. But I just thought it was a funny moment because it looked like he was just trying to keep the peace. Meanwhile, everybody else is trying to rip each other's throat out. But just a small thing that I, I noticed there. We asked on social media if there were any questions that some of our listeners want us to answer on this show. And, of course, the, the big question at Deborah Simmers asked us, is Zucker's injury, is he okay? It was definitely gruesome. 
to watch that, especially in slow motion. You could see it as it happened, he lost his footing. I didn't know if he went in shoulder first and it was, you know, separated shoulder or anything. And then you watch the replay and you just see how I believe it was his left leg got bent up and contorted up against that player's bench there. Obviously, it's a lower body injury. When asked about it in the post-game press conference, Mike Sullivan said he's being evaluated right now for a lower body injury. Again, obviously. And as of right now, we don't have an update, but I would be surprised if Jason Zucker was able to come back in the next game. I would be surprised if he came back at all on this road trip at this point. Yeah, so as we record this where we don't know. and Not for sure. Yeah. Um, so, hey, for everyone listening in the future... Uh, you know what's happening, probably. I'm assuming by Thursday, uh, we'll know. I mean, lineup will be announced. I mean, we'll have to know something yeah. by Thursday morning, basically. So, uh, for everyone in the future, hey, you know how it all turned out for the most part. But for now, it, yeah, it didn't look good. I would safely assume he's not coming back for a little while, too. And that mm-hmm. opens up a big old can of worms because, well, True. who's playing there? Jared McCann close to being healthy? He's, he's, he's with the team, I think. I think I saw that he's literally traveling with the team on this trip, so maybe we just go one game with a weird lineup and <laughs> go from there see what happens. Um, it's situations like this where it's good that I like the guys we have on our taxi squad. I think we have a good group on our taxi squad that can get it done in these quick replacement situations. Not to jump in and be first-line players, obviously, but, I mean, to help fill out a lineup that might get hit with some injuries. I mean, I don't remember exactly what the situation was with um, Frederick Goudreau. I think they may have sent him to the minors, but I could be wrong. I think they did send him to the minors. So, who knows? It's a taxi squad situation where players are going to get some looks. And judging with Zucker being out, it's going to get some use if McCann's not able to come back on Thursday. But again, you'll, you're all in the future listening to this. Tell us how tell us how it goes. <laughs> Honestly, it is unfortunate to see Zucker get hurt. Whether it's, it's a long-term injury or not, it is unfortunate because of the way he's been playing the past three games, and he, it carried over in the beginning of the Washington game. His puck handling over the New York series and at the beginning of this game were outstanding. And that is one thing that I was getting on Zucker about at the beginning of the season is his puck handling was going out the window. And I I had no understanding of why. And luckily in the last couple games, he looked like the Jason Zucker that we all expect him to be. And that's a guy that can handle the puck really well at high speeds and kind of, you know, stick handle in a phone booth, if you will. And that's what he was showing the past three games. And then of course the unfortunate injury here after he's just starting to heat up and just starting to get to that point where we're getting very confident in his play and getting confident in his chemistry with Evgeny Malkin. And now, of course, this happens. So we we hope for the best, obviously, hoping that Jason Zucker can, can recover very quickly and, and very swiftly and be all right. Uh, but if, if not, that that is the question. How are you going to repair that and how are you going to fix that in the lineup? Uh, Jared McCann's return would be very beneficial and very helpful because McCann is that type of guy that can play top-line minutes if you ask him to. But here's the thing. I'm going to operate really quickly as if Jared McCann's not going to be ready for Thursday because he hasn't practiced with the team. So in my thought process, I don't see that. Of course, a couple days in the future, I could be wrong. But if McCann is not back, we've seen Brandon Tanev bumped up to the second line a lot recently. I don't see a problem with putting Tanev on that second line and with the way that Lafferty's been playing, and he showed it again on Tuesday against Washington. I was impressed again by Sam Lafferty, which is why he stayed in the lineup over O'Connor, who did get the healthy scratch on Tuesday. Sam Lafferty, you can put him on the third line and then just bring O'Connor back in if need be. If you really need to, yeah. Um, Phil Bohr said it himself. He thinks uh, O'Connor should be in the minors as well, but that's for a good thing it's to grow his game i heard that and i wanted to relay that in my in this recording because i had been saying that um other than that yeah we saw tanev get bumped up to the second line hell we saw him on the first we've seen him play anywhere he's a guy that can play anywhere there shouldn't be too much of an issue with 
Tanev taking that spot. I'm assuming McCann's not going to be ready for Thursday either. Um, I just know I saw that he was traveling with the team on this trip, so things look good because in a co in, in this COVID world, you're not traveling with the team if you are not close to returning. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Tanev could be pushed anywhere. And, yeah, we have guys that can fill in like O'Connor. And, yeah, I, before McCann comes back, yeah, definitely, there'll be – Someone to fill in. Again, this is all at the assumption that Zucker is hurt and we're just assuming he is, and that's a safe assumption. Mm-hmm. But again, the future will be able to tell us, and by the time this drops, we'll probably have a better idea of what the lines are. I don't know if we practice tomorrow or not, uh, a.k.a. Wednesday. So we'll have to see, and who knows? We're not, we don't have a crystal ball here. Yeah, and you just hope for the best for Jason Zucker. That's an injury that's, like I said, it's very gruesome. I've said that on multiple occasions already because it is, and it's something you don't want to see for either team. So uh, obviously hoping for the best for him, hoping for the best for just not even to have him playing again, just his own health because that's a scary injury, and, and you just hope that it's nothing too severe. Yeah, that's all you can do is hope for the best. I mean... It didn't look as bad as Justin Schultz's injury from a couple years ago. We can at least start there. Yeah. And, you know, we know it's not the worst sports injury we've ever seen. So it's it's something to hang your hat on knowing that it's not the worst. It's not good, but and it could be a little while. Who knows? Maybe it's not as bad as we're all discussing here. Um, but, again, that's something for the future to tell. So we're just hoping for the best for yeah. him health wise and hope he can get back on the ice soon and keep playing the way he was he's been playing really well recently too he has been so hope to see him out there on the ice even if it's in practice yeah. just hope to see him him walking him moving around and we still have a little bit more to talk about about this game obviously because there was more after the injury to jason zucker i, I think overall the penguins dominated five on five which is very encouraging because they've been able to do that a lot this season even in the games they lost to philly it seemed like they owned the pace of play at even strength so it it's finally starting to garner results as we sit here on tuesday evening following the penguins victory they're tied for third right now in the division with the new york islanders only a point behind the washington capitals and only three points behind the division lead if you consider the start of the season that they had with with the way that Evgeny Malkin and Tristan Jari and, and Chris Letang and some of the other players on the team were playing, to be in third place right now and to be able to see this team starting to gain momentum, it has to be a good feeling for the guys in the locker room. It's definitely a good feeling for me, and I'm guessing it's the same for you. Yeah, absolutely. Watching us win games, whether it be in overtime or um – Overtime or regulation, however it may be, collecting wins is just an encouraging sight given the beginning of the season we had and how um, inconsistent things looked and looked how they might be for the whole season. We've looked better, and, yeah, you don't want to hand out pity points in this season. We've discussed that before, but regardless, getting wins and getting big wins, no less, is going to be huge, and... This is one of the teams that you're going to be battling for a playoff spot for, so you've got to grind in when you can. Again, you know, the Buffalo and Jersey games are not going to be easy just the same, but you got to at least hope you can pull more points out of there than maybe some of the other teams are, right? I know I heard Paul Steiger while talking about Buffalo and how other teams are playing against them, but I just don't remember exactly what he said. So whenever we get to playing Buffalo, I'll look back into those stats, but... Um, for now, just, uh, yeah, we got to pull wins out where we can. And tonight, Tuesday, uh, was a big, good start for that, too. Being able to stay in the playoff hunt is the most important thing right now. Yeah, just keep your name up there at the top of the standings and hang around for long enough before you can really make your run and make your mark on it. Now, the last thing I guess we have to talk about is the game-winning goal. Official scoring change as of right now. Tristan Jari gets the secondary nice. assist. On the Kasperi captain goal, his second assist of the year. So congratulations, Tristan Jaria, 
an assist on a game-winning goal. But congratulations to Teddy Bluger and Kasperi Kapanen. What a beautifully constructed overtime play, which we don't usually see Teddy Bluger too often when it comes to overtime. But we saw him there in this game. He made a perfect pass over to Kasperi Kapanen, who did not miss with his one-timer blowing it past Vitek Vanacek. It was a relief to say the least, to see that go in because you want to see Kapanen get a really big goal, get a trademark goal. And yes, he has scored before this season, but I think that is the first trademark moment for Kasperi Kapanen as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Oh, I'd say that was a hell of a shot. <laughs> I forget mm. who tweeted it. I just retweeted it not that long ago. Um, he was winding up for that shot before he crossed the blue line. <laughs> he, I, I don't blame him. He's on that side where you kind of have to adjust your body a little bit to open yourself up for that it was Dmitry Filipovich and just he has the screenshots of it he's before the blue line already with his skates turned so he's able to receive this pass that he knew he was getting and then he lets lets go of an absolute rocket and yeah those are the moments that you want to see especially from a guy like that who can be so good on this team and he keeps proving it I think that he had two points tonight Kapanen? I'm not sure if he I'm not sure he scored another. I thought point. he had an assist somewhere in there. No, the first goal was on the power play, and the second goal was Marino to Gensel, and that was it. So Kapanen only had one point today. Got it. Why did I think the Did Sid have an assist? I'm losing my mind. But so be it. Happens to all of us. Happens to the best of us, I should say. Okay, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so no, that's a hell of a moment for him. Hell of a shot. And like I said, he can be so good on this team. Um, I mean, when I heard Sullivan benched him, I was confused because I was like, what is actually happening? Mm -hmm. Like, I assumed it was something because maybe he mouthed off or something because I thought he's been playing well all around. But um, obviously, you know, Mike Sullivan knows more than I do. So, yeah, Kaepernick had two points, at least listed on my app here. So, yeah. Get him in fantasy, everyone. Oh, yeah, apparently he got a secondary assist on the Gensel goal. My yeah, bad. I... So, two assists for Kapanen, or a goal and an assist for Kasperi Kapanen, a game after being benched. Yeah. It's a pretty good response if you ask me. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what I'm saying. It's, I didn't understand, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't understand, I'm saying it was just, it just seemed confusing at the time because he is a guy that can be really good on this team on any line you stick him on, so he keeps proving that i mean he just this was a play with teddy bluger who notable third to fourth line player third line center thank you yeah, very much yeah, you're right notable third line center teddy bluger um but right there if kapanen and bluger have something i mean kapanen's a guy that i feel like can play anywhere slot him in to take up zucker's spot don't actually do that because he's on the first line but you get what i'm saying well, yeah it was a good effort by the Pittsburgh Penguins, and of course, it, it garnered two points, and that's the best you can ask for. You would like to not give Washington the pity point, but sometimes you get what you can take in this league, and, and the Penguins take their third straight victory, and they're going to take it right into another game against the Washington Capitals, looking to extend their season streak to 5-1 and one against the Caps on Thursday. That'd be pretty good, but as we mentioned earlier, we asked for some questions at our Iceberg Podcast Twitter page. Randy Dillon asks, what are the chances Flower returns to Pittsburgh? I love this question because it happens and it comes up once a month, if not once a week, from somebody. And today just happens to be Randy that sent it into us. Thank you, Randy. And, and my answer to that is this season, zero. There's 0% 0 chance that Marc-Andre Fleury returns to Pittsburgh this season. Next season, Probably also zero, but after this contract expires, I could see that as a possibility. I, If I had to put a number on it, I'd say there's probably a 40% chance that we see Marc-Andre Fleury after this contract expires. 40 is a hell of a random number. <laughs> I don't want to say it's 50-50. I want to say it's less than that, and I'm just going to throw out a random number at 40. I think so. it's more than that. I think it's – once his contract's up, I think it's damn near certain that – um, he'd be willing to sign a, I'm not going to say league band, but I'm going to say a cheap contract here for a year or so to 
finish off what he started and come home. I think it's been written about and talked about already by a lot of people that that's kind of what he wants to do. Now, granted, you don't always get what you want in this sort of business. Who knows? Things could happen between then and the, between now and then. I mean, he's got two years left on the deal. This one and next year. Yes. Okay. So, hell, we signed we we signed that contract with him, didn't we? No. no? He signed a three-year, twenty-one million dollar deal. He with did. Vegas. See, if you guys wanted him that bad, should have signed him then. Um, but no, it's uh, yeah, I think it's. I I think it's my, you know, my opinion with no sources and it's just kind of reading stuff on the athletic and Twitter and everything. Um, I think it's damn near certain that he'll come back eventually. It's just a matter of mm-hmm. if and when. Um, but it's what he wants to do. I I'm not saying he'll get the whole league min idea or deal. I mean, maybe maybe if we just say, hey, how's league min for you and he would only accept that with us. I don't know. I, also depends on what his agent wants to do, whose name is escaping me. Alan Walsh. All depends on what Alan Walsh wants yeah. to do. And how many paintings of, of Marc Andre Fleury with a saber through his back? That's that's the other thing that we have to watch out Just for. Just Stahl's name this time. Uh, yeah, no, that's that, that's no moss right there. But we have one other question, Horwan. I'm gonna let you answer it. When is, will Sheets move out to the West Coast? Our friend Richie Flores asks. Uh, whenever the business decides to take that over and take it out West Coast. Uh, Richie, I love that question, and I love his response to it of being, um, whenever I was taken out to the East Coast, I was taken to one and was in awe. And, man, I can tell you right now, Richie, I have two Sheets locations within about a mile and a half of me, <laughs> and it's amazing. I'm actually going to be ordering sheets once we're done recording here. So he put it on my, he put it in my head, and I realized I had enough points to get some free hot dogs. So yeah, I will be getting sheets after this. Um, I, it, as for when they'll be getting out to the West Coast, uh, that just depends on business. Probably not anytime soon because they are a big conglomerate out here in the East, and uh, I mean we got to keep we just try and keep taking customers away from Wawa, so. Sheets over Wawa All any day. day. That's for damn sure. I bet I bet Troll's a Wawa guy. <laughs> we'll have to inquire about that after we get off this call. But I'm gonna, all I'm going to say, Richie, is when's in and out coming to the East Coast? That's a good one. That's a great question. That's all I got to say, man. I mean, Sheets, yes, you can be in awe. You can be there at 2 a.m. And, and get the same service you're going to get at 2 p.m. But... I'm looking for some some in and out, and I can't get any in. I really can't get very much sheets down in in Washington D.C. either. I know there's one. I looked it up when I in helped you Woodbridge, move in. Virginia. I looked it up. There's one not close, but there's one in in the vicinity. Yeah, it, it's about 25 minutes away, which it might be a move, but there's also a lot more food down here than there is in rural Pennsylvania. But yeah, that's a good question, Richie. I always love talking about sheets. You know, both of us are, are big sheets heads. Uh, I mean, that's how we started podcasting, isn't it? We just got sheets and started talking. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It might not have been planned, but we were usually eating sheets. Well, it didn't help that there was one, like like I said, there's two within like a mile and a half of me. They're literally on the way of whichever direction I decide to go whenever I leave home. <laughs> so um, wherever I move to next needs to be close to one is all I'm saying. Yes, it it is a little bit of a struggle, and I haven't had sheets since Christmas at this point. So it's it's been it's been a long ride, but oh well. I digress to that point, but we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna finish off this week with our shoutouts and callout segment. We'll be right back. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. 
featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, like, I like Pinto, and I, I remember everyone, like... And this is the thing that I think Sense fans need to start realizing. We need to stop looking at the draft. We really need to stop looking at a player being like, he was drafted way too early. You know who you can make an argument who was drafted way too late? Mark Stone. Sixth round pick, and now he's making $9.5 million. Pajot, drafted, I think, in the fifth round and making $5 million. Hoffman? Welcome to the Sense Hour Podcast, your number one source for Sense content, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, hosted by Shane from Ottawa and... And Derek from Muskoka, almost near Leaf Country out here. Um, but I think Clevin was, was right up there because they traded up to get him uh, with the Leafs. And again, they, they passed up some talented players for a guy like Clevin. But now Clevin's all of a sudden looking like a talented player himself. Like that goal that he scored um, in the third game in UND was outrageous. It was just not something you're expecting from the Twitter scouts, especially. <laughs> Sends our podcast, your number one stop for all your Senators content. New episodes coming at you every Monday and Thursday, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Have a good one. Stay safe. Take care. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Brought to you, as always, by the Hockey Podcast Network. We actually, in that commercial break really quickly, we got another question from Twitter, so we thank everybody for sending in their questions. And if, if you have questions when we're not even asking for it, just send it to at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, or at the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast on Facebook. But we got a question from at Andrew Mine double zero. When will we start seeing our draft picks in the NHL? I'm guessing he's referring to one Nathan Legare or one Sam Poulin. And at this point of the season, the way that this roster is constructed and with both Hextall and Burke coming here to just evaluate at this point, we're not going to see him this season. Yep. It, it, I, I thought that maybe by the end of the season we see them, but with the way that the roster is constructed and the way that Sullivan has been running this team, I don't see any of the either of those guys making the lineup. And I feel like they're the only two that are – anywhere close to making the NHL as far as recent draft picks are concerned. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe. I have to find out our draft history because it's been a while since we've had a draft pick. I actually cracked the NHL. Um, mm -hmm. And when it comes to the most recent draft and those two goalies, those are guys, Callie Klang and Joel Blomquist, they're both guys that can reach the NHL one day. Damn, and probably will. Because I guess they're fairly good in Europe right now. Uh, just might not be for a little bit. And who knows if one of them stays here, actually. Um, I, I'm assuming one would be a good trade piece. But who knows? I'm not here to talk trades. I'm here to discuss our draft picks and to fill time until I find our recent draft history. Because I know it has been a while since we've had... Um, a pick actually break yeah, in. The last one was Kalen Addison. <laughs> Three games in Minnesota, okay, well, uh, but before that, oof, you got to go to 2015 with Daniel Sprong and Dominic Simone, both of which no longer on the in the organization. So, when you start looking at some of the other guys around here, I mean, not too many of them also are still with us. But yeah, your best chance is Poulin and Lagare. Uh, maybe. Is Bjorkus the one we traded, or is he the one we kept? No, we still have Casper Bjorkus. He's a possibility to make it one day, but things aren't looking too bright with him anymore. So, yeah, you're really going to be leaning on guys like uh, Poulin and Lagare to crack the lineup and 
they're the most likely options. Other than that, we got to start building for the future and start building it now. I think it's been pretty well known um, all around that our prospect pool is not good. Not good. Yeah. Beside- it, it, it is constantly ranked right now in the bottom of the NHL by every single analyst, insider, anything like that. And, and for good reason, it's a very helter-skelter, skeleton crew prospect pool. And you mentioned... Blunkvist and Klang, and yes, they are both very promising goaltending prospects, but as of right now, neither of them are even in the top six in the depth chart for the Penguins when it comes to goaltenders because they're not not—they're simply not ready to even have a chance at the NHL yet. Who knows next season if either of them make the jump over to the AHL and the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, but as of right now, you have Jari and DeSmith as your one-two easily in the organization. Those are the guys that are going to play constantly in the NHL. You have a guy like Emil Larmy who is, is ever climbing the NHL or the prospect rankings. And then you have guys like Alex DeOrio, who's, who's a lifer in the minor leagues, basically. And he saw some time on the taxi squad this year. And then you also have the guy that we got from Vegas. I can't – Maxime Lagasse who is, again, just kind of a, a lifer AHL guy that might get some NHL time. He's the time, third so. string right now, so – yeah, so there's it's a very skeleton crew for the Penguins' goaltending prospects when it goes below the NHL level, and it's a skeleton crew for all of their prospects. So when it comes to who's going to be the next guy to make it and when are we going to see him, I don't see, I don't think we see another draft pick for the Penguins breakthrough this season. Uh, I think we should just be happy with the way the P.O. Joseph has broke through and become an everyday fixture in the lineup, although he has struggled not too mightily as of late, but he has you know, slowed down considerably from where his pace was before. I think we should just be happy with that and then expect Poulain and Legere sometime next yeah, season. Yeah, and if not that, definitely the season after. I mean, soon enough is a real good answer to when we will, when we will see draft picks. But you just got to be patient on it. Got to let them grow. Got to let them grow the right way. We don't want to rush people in, i.e. Mm-hmm. Drew O'Connor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so soon enough we'll see them, and uh, they'll be worth it. They should be worth it again. We don't have much of a prospect pool, but those are the highlights for sure. So with that, let's finish off this show with our shout-outs and call-outs segment brought to you, as always, by Manscaped. Visit manscaped.com and use code THPN for 20% off and free shipping. Horwat, shout-out for you this week. Okay, I'm going to have two because I'm going to make one real quick here and shouting out uh, the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins, and AT&T Sportsnet. They are going... Five games? I think I saw yes. five games of yeah. Wilkes-Barre going to be put on local television starting tomorrow. And by tomorrow, I mean yesterday by the time you hear this. So I hope you tuned in. But if not, you got four more. Um, yeah, so that'll be fun to watch because I've actually never seen a Wilkes-Barre-Scranton-Penguin game, period. I've seen highlights. and I've followed them on Twitter, but I've never seen a game. So I'll try and watch a couple of those. But my real shout-out um, is going to go to NASA. Because I know I, it's been a while since I did it, but I just got around to it today and, sit and looking at some of this stuff. Uh, they put another rover on Mars, and this one's not just a regular rover. This one is specifically looking for life, which I think is uh, a damn good idea. Intriguing. It's a damn good idea, because aliens definitely exist somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> We're just shooting. Are we, are we going to get no, into No, I'm making it quick. We're just shooting for Mars and hoping to find it, but... More than that, it's just some of the stuff I've seen is it's they're dealing with stuff that is more than any of our brains can handle. They're controlling a rover 200 million miles away on another planet that probably doesn't have life on it. But one of the images I saw on Twitter and the caption was, you can see that there's a rock that's got like a, like a hexagon cut on it or whatever. Um, Scientists believe that that rock formed three billion years ago i can't comprehend last week let alone a rock i can barely remember what i did for breakfast yesterday yeah i I mean they stuck a rover down in an area that has never been touched by anything and they're looking around looking for stuff don't get me wrong it's just it's impressive stuff i'm not usually a big space nerd or space geek or anything like that but um, i finally took a look at everything with the rover perseverance and I was a little struck by it. It's impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 
a piece of human machinery on another planet. Not just the moon, on another planet. And apparently we're trying to send humans there. That one's a little... I, I did That one's that. spooky, but... That's a bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah, but... No, I mean, they went there specifically looking for other life forms, and they're dealing with stuff that is far beyond any of our brains can handle. If you work at NASA or work anything with NASA or even understand what they're talking about, shout out to you, too. (laughs) (laughs) And I believe one of them, the video has sound actually now, too. So not only do we get a, a scratchy image, we get pretty decent imagery, and then we also are getting sound, which there's not much to listen to. But it's still, it's almost eerie thinking, oh, this video I'm watching is actually from space. Three, couple planets that way, you know, a couple doors down. And <laughs> when it comes to the alien thing, listen, I don't want to get too deep into it. I, I, I don't know. If there's aliens in this universe, it's been a long time. And you would think if they're a higher and intelligent life form that they would, they would find us too. We can't be the only ones looking. But also, at the same time, it is a very large universe, so it's it's hard to doubt that there's such a thing as aliens. But, you know, I won't get too deep into right. it, Horwath, because I know we could go probably for the next 45 minutes on that subject. Right. My shout-out for this week, it's more of a get-well-soon, not really a shout-out, but it goes to Tiger Woods. On Tuesday, the accident that he was in with his van, I couldn't believe it, and seeing something like that as soon as I saw that he was in a car accident that, you know, multiple rotations, multiple flips, I immediately, for some reason, my mind went back to Kobe Bryant. I was like, no, no, we can't do this in 2021 too. Now for Tiger Woods, it it does appear that he was going at a very high rate of speed and not slowing down considerably, which doesn't really surprise me. This is the third incident involving a car. like high profile incident for tiger woods second major car accident for tiger woods that's also you know the three incidents include his dwi driving while intoxicated but i mean the the one thing that did bother me is all these news outlets saying you know what about his playing future what about it the man is 45 years old first of all the man has done everything he needs to do in golf second of all and third of all let's just hope that he's okay like he's less than 24 hours removed from what looked like a horrific car accident the guy had to be pried out of his car through the front windshield by the fire department so let's just pray that he's all right and it did come out a little bit later in the day that he had a compound leg fracture and a broken ankle which it could have been a lot worse that is gruesome in its own right but it could have been a lot worse based on how far away his car was from the actual road and the condition that the car seemed to be in. So luckily, apparently, his airbags deployed and cushioned his blow a lot. But you have to imagine that I would think, you know, I don't want to doubt the guy because he has come back from a lot. But when he was already dealing with back injuries that he's trying to come back from, and now this at the age of 45, it's probably the final nail in the coffin for the tiger woods saga yeah i didn't see much of that i kind of just saw the headline saw people talking about it um not good not what you want to see from tiger uh but like we like you just said you just hope for the best and hope he's okay to hell even walk again let's start there you just hope for the best for tiger woods and obviously it is a sad sad day and you know our thoughts and prayers go out to him and hoping that he recovers and is healthy. And it was just a very scary scene. If, if you if you look at the imagery, I, I know it's tough for some people to watch that stuff. But you, know, you just hope for the best, and we hope that he, he heals up quickly and effectively. Right. That's all it is, yeah. Just hope he can walk again, at least. Yep. Let's go into call-outs, Horwat. What do you got for me? Uh, before I go into my call-out, I need to ask you, what are your thoughts on the Ben Roethlisberger situation? It's interesting because you never want to push out a possible Hall of Fame guy that has played for your franchise for 16 years, has brought you two Super Bowls, has brought you countless winning seasons, and has been the heart and soul of your team for 15 years. Yeah, I understand that. There comes a time when... You know, the old sheriff can't really sling it anymore. And 
somebody needs to tell yep, him. And that's why I'm jumping into my call out as uh, Ben Roethlisberger. My guy, you've done so much for this organization. We love you. Always will. Don't get us wrong. Don't get us wrong about that. But it's time to give it a rest and not go in with this whole. First of all, there's been so much back and forth in recent weeks of, oh, will he or won't he? Uh, that finally came to a head today. Again, in the future, you might know more because just Tuesday night it was kind of tweeted out that uh, um, Art Rooney said, hey, we want you back. And I guess they will be contacting Ben's agent to, to discuss the details of the contract that might have to get reworked because he's making a ton of money. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't want to run out your Hall of Fame quarterback. But Mm-mm. the time has come to do that. And with that being said, we're bringing you back. And you might not have much of a team around you. There might be Juju there. There might be a Bud Dupree. I don't know. There might be a J.J. Watt. Uh, I'm calling out Ben Roethlisberger, but I'm also asking you, what do you think the record's going to be next year with a with an old Ben, a retired Marquise Pouncey, so a new center, uh, and maybe no wide receiver and Juju. I don't know what James Conner's situation is and then whatever the defense decides to do. The defense showed this year that they don't live and die by Bud Dupree, so I'm not too worried about the defense as it stands. Uh, offensively, Ben wasn't awful all season. and You know, he, he's old. And the point I was going to make with him is that we've seen a lot of greats that have kind of fell on their sword at the end of their career. The last one that comes to mind is Anderson Silva in the UFC. And yes, you want to play for as long as you can play, but not everybody can be Tom Brady. So uh, as far as Ben Roethlisberger is concerned, listen, you're not going to push him out. That's not what's going to happen. He's going to need to be the one that calls it quits whenever he wants to. And I just hope that we don't have to watch Ben Roethlisberger do what Eli Manning did and be an absolute embarrassment to the quarterbacking position for, for two years before he finally decides to call it quits. But as far as the offense is concerned, it, it's going to be an either-or situation, James Conner or Juju Smith-Schuster, in my opinion. And most likely, Juju's going to command more money. So if they can't get a deal done with Juju, it's going to be James Conner coming back. I don't necessarily think that that's all that big of a deal when it comes to, to James Conner, because I feel like they have a pretty decent backfield even without him there, although I know he is the best running back that they have. And even at the wide receiver position with, with Smith-Schuster gone, they still have a guy like Chase Claypool coming into his second season. Deontay Johnson showed that he can do it basically with any quarterback that goes out there as long as he doesn't drop the ball. And Eric Ebron is also very capable as a tight end. So I don't know how the Steelers are going to be. Uh, it, it's always interesting because Mike Tallman is a fantastic coach and he has a fantastic defense. So it, I'm going to say baseline eight, and eight right. because that is the standard and the standard is the standard oh. in Pittsburgh. Is it ever? Uh, social media is <laughs> not too happy about it. So social media is never happy, man. No, but I mean this, they might have a point with this one. I mean, yeah, you don't want to push out the hall of fame guy, but uh, not my decision to make. I just wanted to, I don't know. It's not even so much a call-out, but it's just to create discussion on this because, <laughs> I don't know, we don't talk football that often, really, because we're a hockey podcast, obviously. But when it comes to Pittsburgh sports, I mean, I brought it up last episode saying the Ben Roethlisberger video to Crosby on his 1,000th game looks kind of uh, the beginning of the end for this weird, not weird, but this great little moment in time, that era, p- yeah, era that Pittsburgh sports have had. So it might last another year. So there's that. That's what you hope for. And I mean, with the Pittsburgh Penguins now winning three straight games, winning five of their last six, things are looking good on the ice. But let's finish it off with my call out, which is going to continue to be on the ice, kind of, because Artemi Panarin is not going to be on the ice. My call out goes to Russian politics. And yes, I know this is a dangerous call out to make, (laughs) but considering I am not Russian, nor am I from Russia, nor have I ever been to Russia. I feel slightly more safe, but then again, my water might be spiked with some sort of Russian gas tomorrow. So if that happens, this is why. Artemi Panarin, of course, took an immediate leave of absence from the New York Rangers on Monday 
due to allegations arising about him abusing an 18-year-old back in 2011. And by abusing, they mean physically beating. So basically beating the crap out of an 18-year-old female. Uh, the belief among most people, and by most people I mean literally everybody other than the Russians that are making the allegations, that they were fabricated against Artemi Panarin for being outspoken against Russian leader Vladimir Putin. Panarin is one of the very few Russian NHLers who is very, very outspoken against Vladimir Putin. So a lot of that is believed to be kind of retaliation against Panarin for his beliefs and, and for going against Putin. Now, many of his former teammates and even the New York Rangers themselves have stepped in to Panarin's defense. And the allegations came out from his former coach in 2011, but about four or five players Tuesday came out and said, listen, Artemi is, was the nicest kid in the world. So I don't, there's not a way that this is possible. They even went as far to say as this is clearly fabricated. So obviously Panarin staying off the ice for his own safety uh, because you, you don't take you know, stuff from the Russian mob like this lightly. But I, I'm calling him out because literally, if this, could you imagine if this happened in the United States? If you opposed something politically, not that hockey players from the United States or Canada are actually outspoken, but if one of them were outspoken and there would be threats and allegations brought up that were completely fabricated, which again, we don't know if they are, but all signs point to the fact that these were probably fabricated allegations. I just, Russia's crazy, man. And I'm looking over my shoulder now, and I'm probably going to have to be looking over my shoulder for the next month or so until this is out of syndication. But, you know, craziness. Craziness for Panarin and the New York Rangers. Yep. Russian politics are some muddy, muddy waters. Um, that goes with everyone. Uh, that being said, I think, I mean, the verbiage that was used by the Rangers in their statement was very, like... Like, huh, this really does seem kind of like a big fabrication. I mean, they literally use the word fabricated. But, I mean, there was the Vietnamese... I can't even say the word. The, I mean, did you see... Like, I know you saw, but do you have it in front of you, the statement the Rangers put out about it? Uh, I don't. I can look it up really just, quickly, though. Because it was just the... It was strong wording from the Rangers saying, this is obvious. They basically said, this is obviously... Fab a fabrication and he's taking time off for his own safety because this is wild again like i said russian politics are muddy waters and i don't want to go too far into it because i also don't know all the details i just know uh panarin's taking time off for um his own safety and to uh, i guess i don't want to say fight against these allegations but i mean maybe he might have to i don't know allegations were put out he's taking time off from them to work them out and the rangers said this about it yeah the rangers released a statement almost immediately following this breaking of this news saying artemi vehemently and unequivocally denies any and all allegations in this fabricated story this is clearly an intimidation tactic being used against him for being outspoken on recent political events artemi is obviously shaken and concerned and will take some time away from the team the Rangers fully support Artemi and will work with him to identify the source of these unfounded allegations. So not only did they say it was fabricated, they said that and about 38 other synonyms of fabricated in their short one paragraph statement to back their star player. So good on the Rangers for backing their star player. Good on his ex-teammates for backing him as well. And, and Russia, y'all are crazy. And, and I, I'm looking around. It doesn't seem on the camera that I have a red dot anywhere on me. I know you'd give me the warning if I did, but that's where I'm going to end this conversation because I feel like if I talk anymore, I, I will get a target on my back. Yeah, for more details, I'm sure the Broadway boys are going to be talking about it. So Big time. So, yeah, check yeah. them out on the Hockey Podcast Network for sure. Yeah, that's... That's it. Everyone be careful when you discuss Russian politics. Yeah, exactly. But Horwat, Penguins, obviously, coming off a 3-2 victory over the Washington Capitals. It's, it's getting pretty nice. 4-1 and one against the Caps this year. Let's keep that rolling on Thursday. Anything else 
that you want to tell the listeners before we let them go for the week? Nope. All I can say is, Richie, I just put my order in for sheets, and uh, I'll be eating some soon. Hey, there, there's plus one for having the THPN summer on the East Coast. You can go to sheets. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. That's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We hope you enjoyed our discussions on Russian politics, on Marc-Andre Fleury, and on the Pittsburgh Penguins whooping on the Washington Capitals for the fourth time this season. We'll see you guys next week. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.